Today on Ag News Daily. That could be, you know, maybe the eastern plains, parts of the Midwest and Ohio Valley. That area could be in for an active winter season here with plenty of opportunities for rain, snow, ice, and probably a combination of all three. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's another Ag News Daily podcast with Ashton Carr, joined by Delaney Howell. And Delaney, I have some exciting personal news to share today. Okay, let's hear it, Ashton. Today, I was accepted into the Masters of Agribusiness program here at Tech, so I'm switching my master's program from mass communications to agribusiness. Well, that's certainly exciting, and, you know, I don't want to take any claim, but hopefully the podcast, Talking Markets a Lot More, has given you some new insight into the world outside of just agcom. Oh, it definitely has. And I think working on the podcast has definitely given me the courage to apply for the ag business program. So thanks, Delaney. Awesome. Well, that's very exciting news, Ashton. It certainly is. But in other news, the first thing that I wanted to go ahead and talk about is the Dicamba re-registration. We were talking a little bit about it yesterday. And yesterday at about 5 p.m. Central is when I saw things start to come in about discussing that re-registration from EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler. And the EPA has issued that new registration label for the Dicamba herbicide. And EPA's Administrator Andrew Wheeler of course, released this decision during that stop in Georgia that we mentioned yesterday, and they cleared the use of Extendamax, Eugenia, and Tavium starting in spring of 2021. And Wheeler says that this decision includes a five-year registration providing certainty to growers as as they make future purchasing decisions. And we talked a little bit about that five-year registration yesterday, but there are are some new, I guess, updates with this re-registration. And Wheeler says that farmers will have cutoff dates for using dicamba, those being June 30th for soybeans and July 30th for cotton. Andrew Wheeler also says an improved pH buffering agent will be required to be mixed to lower the volatility of the products and that there are several allowable buffering agents already available And Wheeler also says that larger buffer zones will be required, extending the distance from sensitive crops from 110 up to 240 feet and up to 310 feet for fields near an endangered species. And if there are states that wish to expand or further restrict the use of dicamba products under this new label, they will have to work with EPA to do so. Yeah, that is good news. I saw that as well come out yesterday afternoon, Ashton. So it's a good thing to see uh, that tool will be available longer for producers in their quote-unquote toolbox. But in other news, Ashton, I want to switch tracks here just a little bit. I know we've been following Brazil and what they're, what's going on with their soybean harvest, soybean planting, sorry. And, you know, one of those things we've been watching really closely is that is their weather patterns. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more with Ed Valley of Empire Weather Consulting here coming up on the podcast. But I also wanted to make our listeners aware of another announcement that Brazil has made. We know that they have opened up their borders, if you will, to soybean exports. But 
We also now have seen Brazil confirm that they will be also importing U.S. soybeans, as a matter of fact, um, or at least allow that to happen. We've seen Brazil, of course, slash those import tariffs on soybeans. And it sounds like now they have confirmed a few small purchases of U.S. soybeans because of their domestic shortage. Um, But experts are suggesting that we won't see a ton of imports happening to Brazil just because of the varieties and traits that they allow are a little bit different than the United States. And when you see all those traits mixed together at elevators and commercial storage facilities, it's hard to tell which traits have been mixed with what. And so for some of those traits uh, like dicamba and some other ones that aren't approved in Brazil, a little hard to tell what traits and what uh, varieties have been, you know, mixed together, so to speak. So basically, it sounds like we'll be having a very small portion of U.S. soybeans that will get exported to Brazil. But I think the more telling thing here is that they are importing U.S. soybeans and they are indeed uh, pretty far below stockpiles and have a lot of issues with domestic production. So that could could prove to be bullish for soybeans here long term. Well, even though it is just a small number of soybeans that are going to be exported from the U.S. and and to Brazil, it's still a new market, I suppose, for our soybean producers. So that is a little bit of good news on the day. But I just have one other story to share with you today, Delaney, because it was a little bit of a slower news day, I suppose, on my end at least. But the wine producing region of La Rioja in Spain, which we've talked a little bit about that region before, But earlier, not today, but yesterday on Tuesday, they ordered the closure of restaurants and bars in its two largest towns for a month as part of widening restrictions across Spain to curb the coronavirus outbreak. So I feel like, you know, a lot of nations or or some nations thought that we were kind of past the the big spike in coronavirus outbreaks, but we are seeing numbers continue to rise, not just in the U.S., but globally as well. And a nationwide curfew has been placed in La Rioja since Sunday, while a growing number of regions have banned people from entering or exiting their territory. And I'm seeing a little bit of this as well in Lubbock. We are kind of under a thing right now, from my understanding that if we have... 15% occupancy in our hospitals that are related to COVID-19 that they, for, for a consecutive 17 day or not 17, but a consecutive seven days at that 15% occupancy, then we will go back into a shutdown quarantine type thing, at least here in Lubbock. So we're starting to see that happen, not just in the U S but globally as well. Yeah, we're starting to see, like you said, some spikes in some states that uh, previously didn't have a lot of COVID cases. South Dakota, Wyoming, you know, some of those more unpopulated states are seeing some spikes. So that has definitely caused some concern today in the stocks and commodity markets, which we'll get to here in just a little bit, Ashton. I've got just a few other quick pieces of news, one of which is CattleCon or the Cattle Convention, which is typically held in 
January or February, it has now been postponed to August of 2021. This will be held still in Nashville. That's still the plan. But they are pushing the conference back to allow for hopefully these spikes to get through and for COVID to hopefully die down by the time cattle convention rolls around next August. I certainly hope so. With it being in Nashville and being, you know, in the summertime, I'm really hoping that COVID will, you know, be be gone by then because I think that would just be a lot of fun to attend. I agree, Ashton. That's always one of my favorite conferences to go to. Personally, I've never been, so maybe 2021 is my chance. Maybe it is. We'll have to see. Hopefully they have the convention, but uh, wait and see for sure. Ashton, I tell you what, the other wait and see game we're watching right now is African swine fever. It is continuing to cause a storm in Germany. They've reported now just over 100 cases, I believe 103, if I remember correctly, 103 cases. Cases still all being registered in wild boar populations. None have made their way yet to commercial herds. But another factor that's just floating out there in the world of agriculture. You know, Delaney, with it being over 100 cases now and it just being in wild boar, it just makes me kind of wonder how that hasn't gotten back to any commercial operations yet. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not entirely sure I could answer that for you. I don't know enough about uh, the way that Germans raise their hogs to know what their setups look like. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. A little bit different, I assume, than what we do here in the U.S. I believe probably a little different, but who knows? <laughs> well, Delaney, what do you say? Should we hop into the markets? Let's do that, Ashton. Like I said, we had a lot of sell-off today with concerns that we are seeing another spike in COVID-19. Sliding into the overnight into opening sessions this morning, we saw corn and soybeans pulled back pretty heavily. We also saw stocks, gold, pretty much everything across the board pulled back today. Not limit down moves, but pretty close when it came to the soybean markets today. But let's take a look here first at the corn contract. December corn closing down 14 and a half cents to close at 401 and a half. The March down 12 and a quarter to close at 404 and a quarter. In the soybean pits, November down 25 today to close at 1057 and a quarter. The January down 10 and three quarters to end at 1054 and three quarters. In the Chicago wheat pits, the December contract pulling back seven cents today to close at six oh eight and three quarters. The March down eight to close at six oh seven and three quarters. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets. The December live cattle contract closed down sixty or excuse me, closed up sixty two and a half cents to end at one oh four sixty seven and a half. The February up sixty seven and a half as well to close at one oh seven seventy. In the feeder cattle pits, the November contract up a dollar sixty to close at one thirty three ninety. The January up a dollar. 52 and a half tickles at 120, 129.95. And in lean hogs, down across the board as the December contract shed $1.27 and a half tickles at 66.37. The February down $1.85 tickles at 66.20. And rounding on our markets with the class three dairy milk futures recovery after yesterday's losses as November added 56 cents tickles at 22.93. The December down eight tickles at 20.15. Without further ado, Ashton, let's kick it over to my conversation with Ed Valley of Empire Weather Consulting.
Well, today we're chatting weather with Ed Valley of Weather Empire Consulting. I didn't say it right again, did I? Right yep. Nope. Empire weather. You're I'm going to write it down so I've got it this time. <laughs> I tell You're you fine. what, it's a, it feels like a Monday in my brain right now, but okay, here we go. Well, today... <laughs> Well, today we're chatting weather with Ed Valley of Empire Weather Consulting. Ed, I know you're catching up from a vacation this week, but we've been having some crazy weather here across central Iowa. What is going on? Oh, my goodness, Delaney. You, you, you couldn't have said it better. Uh, it's been it's been very weird, to say the least. I mean, not too long ago, we were basking in the 70s and 80s, and all of a sudden the hammer was dropped on us here last week, and uh, we're seeing the continuation of that today and or this week in general and it's really it, it was just you know it was bound to happen we were so darn warm here in October and, and just the pattern in general set up very uh favorably for some cold and we we look in our patterns we look in the higher latitudes like Alaska and up near the North Pole and Greenland and that really helps us to kind of gauge what's going to happen across the United States and what we saw was a lot of what we call blocking high pressure, and that allows the colder air to really intrude on a lot of the United States when that happens. And, and that's exactly what we saw. And if you're anywhere across the Midwest or Plains or even down in, in parts of uh, the Deep South, you're, you're definitely feeling it here this week. Yeah, certainly are. And and I think that poses the question, you know, this week, here we are, I guess we're at the end of October now. So it feels a little less strange to talk about snowfall. But, you know, we're still seeing folks finishing up harvest season here. Uh, what's your expected forecast moving into the end of harvest into the winter months? Yeah, so so this week, I, I guess you could call it kind of an anomaly in the general grand scheme of things. Um, this week, obviously, we saw all that snow and ice in the Oklahoma and Texas panhandles right up into parts of Kansas. Earlier in the week, we saw that snow in Nebraska and parts of even Iowa and Minnesota and South Dakota. Uh, but as we move forward, I, I think we are going to warm things up and dry things out. Now, we do have some things to deal with in the meantime. We have a, a hurricane coming into Louisiana. Stop me if you've heard that already this season. It's already happened twice. Uh, but we're seeing another one come into the New Orleans area here uh, later today, uh, Wednesday. And that's actually going to bring a lot of rain to the Southern Belt. Uh, I would say mainly the I-70 corridor here uh, to end this week, but that's certainly going to add a disruption uh, to an already disruptive weather week uh, for a lot of folks in, in I, uh, excuse me, Illinois, uh, Southern and Central Illinois, most of Indiana, Kentucky, and Ohio, uh, and as well as parts of Missouri, the Delta and parts of uh, the Southern Plains too. So it's, it's going to be quite an active end to this week, but that kind of is kind of the end of this cold and active pattern for, for at least the next seven to 10 days. So I think as we get into next week, next week overall looks like a really good weather week. So that takes us through the first week of November, warmer than normal temperatures, uh, limited rainfall or snowfall opportunities. So I think if, you, if you're looking for a window, that window is going to open up here, uh, depending on where you're at, probably this weekend into the following week. We're going to be dealing with some cold weather this weekend, but I think as we head beyond this weekend into the following week, we should even warm things up. But I am eyeing another cold shot here as we get into the middle of November. So I, I think, you know, from a planning perspective, I think the next seven to 10 days, once we get past this little rain event here to end the week, 
I think we're going to be in pretty good shape. But like I said, I think the middle of November, especially in the prairies, the plains, and probably the upper Midwest, there's going to be a pretty good dose of cold air moving on in. So get it done while you can. That's what I got to say. Absolutely. Absolutely, Ed. But when you look a little longer term, then I know La Nina and El Nino weather patterns are ones you follow pretty closely here. And I want to talk about that when it comes to South American weather in just a little bit. But let's finish talking South or uh, North America here first. What is the long term forecast for our folks heading into the real winter months? <laughs> yes. So obviously, we're we're hardened and we're expecting some cold and snow and I tell you, I think that is is the name of the game here, especially in the northern plains in the upper Midwest. La Nina, what usually happens is we get a trough of low pressure and cooler air in the prairies and the plains and Midwest, like we, like I just said. The further south and east you go, tends to be a lot warmer compared to normal. We get a ridge down in uh, down in the southeast, and as we know, when we have a trough to the west and a ridge to the east, like we had back in 2019. It sets the stage for what could be an active uh, winter season. And after the fall we had, which was definitely on the drier side, uh, I think a lot of folks are going to welcome some of that moisture. And we're kind of already seeing the pattern maybe tip its hand here in October with with all of this precipitation we're seeing kind of this week and last week. Uh, So that might be a sign of what's to come here with uh, not as anomalous of cold weather as we saw this week, but definitely favoring colder the further north and west you go across the belt and warmer compared to normal the further south and east. And in between, that could be, you know, maybe the eastern plains, parts of the Midwest and Ohio Valley. That area could be in for an active winter season here with plenty of opportunities for rain, snow, ice, and probably a combination of all three. And then when you look then, like I was mentioning, uh, I I know your folks there are suggesting that South America is heading into a La Nina weather pattern. Update our listeners or remind our listeners, give us a little update on what that means and what that's going to do for South American weather long-term here. Sure. So, yeah, absolutely. We are heading into that La Nina pattern. And if we think it impacts North American weather, it impacts South American weather just as much or even more. And typically what happens here during their summer months, so our winter months, is we see decent rainfall in parts of central Brazil. So obviously that's a really big soybean area uh, down that way. And so that area, we've kind of started the season on the really dry side. So that's kind of delayed planting in a lot of these areas. So there is some concern that for the folks that don't get the crop in, uh, you know, either by now or over the next couple of days or week or so, uh, that it could kind of bleed into the safrina crop season thanks to all the dry weather that we've already seen. So that's kind of delayed things a little bit. So that's that's definitely the first thing to mention. Now, as we go through the next few weeks and, and even the next few months, central Brazil is, is usually okay in these types of patterns. However, the further south you go, you get into places like Piranha um, and Santa Catarina and, and Rio Grande do Sul. Those, those uh, states do produce quite a bit of soybeans uh, in Brazil. And that extends even down into parts of Argentina. Typically, um, those areas, Argentina up into southern Brazil are on the drier side in La Nina. Uh, Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be bone dry, but it is something we're definitely watching here moving forward. Because while there is going to be some precipitation, I think the lean, when you look at 
kind of the macro view here, I think we're going to be leaning on the drier side in those areas. So that that could certainly hurt production down the road. And the final thing I wanted to chat with you about is Black Sea region weather. I know that's been a big one here we've been following, especially when it comes to the wheat markets and other grains. But what's your outlook there? Yeah, I I think things are going to at least improve somewhat. Um, You know, I, I think in general here, over the next few weeks, um, it's actually pretty wet there here this coming week. Uh, but as we move beyond that into the middle of November, uh, there is some sign that we could dry out again. Um, now, how much are we going to dry out? That's what we really need to kind of see. And, and that will obviously dictate things significantly. But just kind of looking at the, the longer range pattern into November, uh, it's, there's going to be a lot of oscillations in the moisture. So I, I think. You know, like I said, this week doesn't look bad. We might dry out the following week, and and we might be kind of seeing this recurring pattern of of fairly variable uh, precipitation. So I don't think um, it's going to be necessarily bone dry, which is, of course, a good thing. Um, And as we kind of look at temperatures out in that kind of realm out out into November here, um, you know, generally, I don't see any extreme cold either. So that's, that's another good thing. So... Not an ideal look, but but certainly uh, there should be enough variable moisture uh, to keep things moving. Fantastic. Well, Ed, before I let you go, I know you guys have a big weather report coming out later this week. If folks are interested in getting the know on that, how can they find it? Yeah. So first of all, I'm, uh, we're on Twitter at Empire WX, uh, and I'm on Twitter as well at Ed Valley WX. Uh, and our website is EmpireWeather.com, and we'd love for you uh Come check us out. Fantastic. Well, Ed Valley, thanks again for joining to chat weather today. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks again to Ed for chatting weather with us today. Definitely going to be a big factor moving forward here in the United States as well as really worldwide is I think the more important weather I'm watching, at least here in the short term. Absolutely, Delaney. And it's been weird weather here in Lubbock. It's been snowing on and off all day. And I was shocked to hear that there is another hurricane hitting Louisiana. Definitely not something that I had my eye out on, but we will have to continue to watch that this week. Absolutely, we will, because that will impact producers all across the country, Ashton. But we're always keeping abreast of all of these important news factors, markets and more. So be sure to tune in with us every weekday. And you can listen to past episodes by heading to agnewsdaily.com. Ashton, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.